there's something when you allow God to be God that is just so powerful that you can't replicate by, you know, just trying to be flash, trying to be modern, trying to be with it or any other thing. Because at the end of the day, our journey of discipleship is a spiritual journey. It's not about engaging your mind as much as it is about your mind, but it's, not, it's about your spirit. It's about who you are in the very core of your being. And you're a spirit being, that God is wanting, relating, gone out of his way to create an environment that we can have relationship with him. And your spirit being, your body's going to die. Sorry to inform you of that. Your body's going to die. And, but your spirit being... No way. Keeps going. And your eternity, should you choose Jesus, and I pray you do, is with Jesus. And he's the one who loves us, and he's the one who unlocks something. The day that the church forgets that there's a spiritual edge that we're to tap into, there's a spiritual, the Holy Spirit, that God is a spirit being and we are spirit and we need to live in that spirit realm. The day we forget that, we're in serious trouble because it's when God impacts someone's spirit that things really change and shift. Yes. Really shift. Now, I don't know, some of you that we've spoken directly into, you know, you, it could have been just the thing you needed to hear tonight. I pray it is. And they start there, you know, that God's desperate for relationship with us. What an incredible invitation. You can say that, and you can say it with passion, but you say it in the unction of the Holy Spirit, and it carries a whole new weight with it. This is a God thing. So we're doing the series A on um, the spiritual gifts, and um, I've got spoken gifts to talk about today. And um, so the spoken gifts are prophecy. They, uh, there's nine in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, the spoken gifts here are prophecy, they are various tongues, and they're interpretation of tongues. So we're going to touch on all of those as quickly as I can. It is kind of a, a teach, it's theological, I'm only going to bounce across the top, but it's stuff we need to know, and what I'm discovering as time goes on is people don't know this stuff and they don't dig into it. So I'm going to give you enough that you can dig into, okay, and that you can do some work on it yourself. So in this, when I was thinking about this, I was... Um, because Jan was actually going to preach, but she was just recovering from an illness. And, um, and so we decided... <laughs> an illness. <laughs> and so um, we decided that I would. And I was, I was coming up with a bit of a blank at the start. And I sat down and I said, Holy Spirit, I really need a picture that I can um, kind of anchor this off. Can you help me? And boom, straight away I had a picture. So Jan and I have been married, not tomorrow, but next Monday, 30 years that's pretty cool, eh? I think that's cool. And I've lived it for 30 years, and I still think it's cool. So that's amazing. And, and do you think it's cool? Oh, she's thinking about it. <clears throat> 30 years is quite a long time. So when we got married, Jan's mum and dad bought us a dinner set for our wedding, like, you know, plates and stuff. Beautiful. We chose it. It's fantastic. I love it. It's beautiful. In fact, I loved it so much that I've been searching for extra bits to add for years. And I found a deceased estate once that had a whole lot, so I scooped it all up. And so I've got heaps of it now. But anyway, so and so. And my parents bought us silver cutlery to go with it. Now, here's the deal. For years, we would bring that out on the best occasions. Like, if we really liked you and you came to our place for dinner, you'd get the good silver 
and you'd get the nice plates. If you've ever come to our place and you didn't get those, you join the dots yourself. Sorry. So, so we bring them out just for special occasions, as you do. And then one day we're talking and we go, you know, I'm not sure that our kids want to inherit this. This is our taste. We like it. There's a picture. Do you want to put the picture up? Uh, nice, eh? Now, that... <laughs> Join the dots, Josh. I'm really upset about that photo because that fork was perfectly straight. And that matters in my world. And the photos made it look crooked. Anyway, um, <clears throat> um, so, so it's nice, eh? Well, you might not like it. I don't care. I like it. That's what matters. And, um, and so we were having this conversation saying, look, when we die, the kids probably don't want to inherit it. At what point is it leaving them this good dinner set that's never been used? So we made a decision. Why don't we use it every day? Because we love it. Why don't we enjoy it? So, so we use it every day now. It's our every day. If you, you have had it, see, because we use it every day. And, um, and, and, and I would have got it out for you anyway, Josh. But we use it every day, and we enjoy it, and that's what it is. Well, I think spiritual gifts are a little bit like that. Many of us, um, when it comes to the spiritual gifts, which is the charismata, or the, the, is what the Greek word is, or the spirituals as they're known, the supernatural gifts or supernatural abilities, things of the spirit, signposts of the kingdom, um, Many people, when it comes to those, just get them out occasionally. Maybe. Maybe you get them out once or twice a year if you've got special guests coming. And you think, well, we've got to do something. You know, there's a special meeting at church. Maybe, maybe uh, this week I should prepare and prophesy. But that's not what spiritual gifts are about. Spiritual gifts are like wherever, whenever, use them all the time. Ooh, something changed. Wherever, whenever, use them all the time. That's what spiritual gifts are about. So let me ask you a question, and I want you to answer it to yourself really honestly. You ready? There's three, it's multi-choice. You can't fail. Actually, there's only one right answer, though, so you can fail. So what's your approach when it comes to spiritual gifts? Pull one out occasionally for a guest or an event. Leave them in the cupboard and never use them. Or... They're a regular part of your daily living. A, B, and C. The answer, the right answer, is C. A regular part of daily living. That's what they are made for. The Bible tells us very, very clearly, we're going to read the scripture in a moment, that they are made for the common good, for the building and the strengthening of the church. That's what they're made for. And so there's something that they're a gift they, we don't own them. They're a gift. Actually, if you listen to Pastor Michael or Jay, they've done the first two parts of the series. Fantastic. Great. It'll give you a bit more context. So, and Tim. Oh, Tim. That's right. He was in a different building. I heard Tim, did, I heard Tim talk like a pirate this morning. I don't know if there was any content in what you said. Everyone just said, Tim talked like a pirate. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll read it, okay? And then we'll talk a bit more about it. It's from uh, chapter 12, 1 to 11. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, that's a really good start because whether you're a boy or a girl, it's talking to you. <laughs> Great. Regarding your questions about 
the special abilities the Spirit gives us, or about the spirituals, or a lot of English translations say the spiritual gifts. I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in uh, worship to speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's great. Good to know that. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works different in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Who's the spiritual given to? Gift given to? Isn't that great? That means if you're sitting there and going, I don't do that, you're wrong. I like it when it's so clear. Is it talking to me? It's talking to you. Now, a spiritual gift is given to the elite. These fellows here, front two rows, that's it. No, not at all. The spirit, actually, the spiritual gift is given to the elite, in a sense, because you're elite. In God's eyes, you are elite. You're pretty cool. He loves you to bits. We heard that prophetically. He loves you to bits. He desires a relationship with you. And he gives spiritual gifts to each person. That's an amazing thought. That means every one of you should be listening. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether there are a message is from the Spirit of God or another Spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language. While another is given the ability to interpret what has been said. It is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. I love that. Again, each person. Each person. So when we're reading about gifts in the Bible, we've just got to remember there's different classifications of gifts. One's not more important than another, but there's different classifications. A popular way of teaching about spiritual gifts these days is everything is thrown in one big pot, but the Bible doesn't actually do that. It breaks them into different clarifications for clarity for us. So there is, um, Pastor Michael unpacked this good a couple of weeks ago, but there are the Ascension Ministry gifts. They are people. Pastor, teacher, apostle, prophet, evangelist. People. Their job is to equip the church. There's one Corinthians chapter 12 gifts that we're talking about right now. There's nine of those that we're doing a series on. Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, it unpacks some of the motivational gifts. They're more personality gifts. They're what you're naturally really good at. God has created you. He has gifted you. But that's part of your DNA now, what you're good at. Some people are really good at administration. Those people are just like awesome people. Amazing people. Really, really good at that. Some people are really good at other things. I don't know. Sewing. I don't know why, but sewing. It's awesome. If you're really good at sewing, that's great. But it's a motivational gift. It's not one of these nine spiritual or spiritual abilities that has been spoken about in Corinthians. So the three we are talking about tonight are prophecy, tongues, or other languages, and interpretation of tongues. So let's start with prophecy. Just make it really clear, there's a difference between prophecy and a prophet, okay? So a prophet is the ascension ministry, it is a person. The easiest way to remember this is, a prophecy, a prophet is a messenger from God, a prophecy is the message from God. 
Does that make sense? It's an easy way to remember it. So the prophet is an ascension ministry given to the church to help equip the church, reproduce prophets, and to encourage the church. And they can be quite directive in their, um, in their ministry sometimes. But the gift of prophecy that we can all step into when nudged by God is all about uh, encouraging people, exhorting people, and comforting people. If it doesn't do those three things, don't do it. If it's not one of those three things, don't listen to it. A prophet can actually step into a different uh, grace, around, and they can be quite instructive and quite directive, but that's a prophet's mantle. That's not, um, that's not a, gen, you know, a, a, a disciple stepping into the gift of prophecy. That's always encouraging, exhorting, and comforting. The word prophecy actually means to speak on another's behalf. And in this case, the context, we're speaking on God's behalf. It's a message, a message from God, which is why, um, you know, because we're encouraged to learn to prophesy, which is why we encourage every person to prophesy and why we teach people to prophesy. But probably what we don't hear quite as much as we should is actually when you are prophesying, you are God, you're not God, but you're standing in the place of God in that situation, his voice, his mouthpiece. You're not God. Don't quote me on that. I didn't mean that. But you're God's messenger. You're saying the words are coming from divine words out through you. You're a vessel for what God is wanting to say. That's a big deal. That's really serious. We should never, ever take prophetic ministry flippantly. It's not just I've got a good idea, so I'm going to say it. No, no. In the old days, before people prophesied in King James English, they always said, thus saith the Lord that sense of weight to it. It still does if you say it, doesn't it? It's old-fashioned. But what they were establishing, this is what God's saying in this situation. So there's actually a, a, a significant weight when we're moving in the gift of prophecy. Prophetic word, of course, is revelation. It comes through you. It's not about what you know or what you've learned. It's revelation gift. So the purpose, again, of prophecy is edification, building up, developing spiritual strength, um, exhortation, encouraging people, and comforting people. You should always judge prophecy. If someone prophesies over you, you don't just need to accept it. You should always judge it because people make mistakes. And you should judge it and you should weigh it. And if you've got questions, you should ask questions. You should talk to someone, get counsel. Don't radically change your life if it's a really directive prophecy until you take some counsel and make sure it's wise counsel. It's really, really important. I remember, um, this is years ago, having passed on to me that someone had prophesied over me in a situation I wasn't actually in the room at the time, but they're passing it on. That, that this, it, it was negative in nature. This stuff was going to happen and blah, blah, blah. For years, that really bugged me. I walked around kind of looking over my shoulder all the time, waiting for something bad to happen. Until one day I just went, no, hang on a minute. It's not even God. It, it broke all the rules. That's not what God says to people. It was more like a curse. And I got rid of it and lived free ever since. But you've got to judge it sometimes. Just because someone says it over your life. And this is a, the thing I think we really need to remember is 1 Corinthians 14.1, let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal, but you should always desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. But let love be the highest goal. I think when I'm thinking prophecy, I always think this is an uh, invitation to partner with God. 
This is an invitation to partner with God's plans for my life. That's the filter I'm looking at it through. What do I need to do around that? It's like of all the gifts, of course, so, so powerful. We saw that before. But it's also dangerous if it's abused. And so we want to make sure that it's done right, that it's done with accountability. Because at the end of the day, if I prophesy over someone, you're not just someone, you're someone. Hey, you're someone, you're important. You are the apple of God's eye. And, and if you're prophesied over, if you're prophesying, you are, you are speaking words, which we know are incredibly powerful, over somebody's life. And they've got power to change their world. To, um, message from God it carries power to change someone's life. We've got to respect that. So there's two sides. We often hear the one side, come on, let's encourage each other to prophesy. That's great. That's what Scripture tells us. But let's be so, so careful that we don't abuse the gifts that God's given his church because they're for the common good. That's what they're for. That's what the Scripture said. They'll lift everybody up, encourage everybody. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, of course, is a doorway to operating effectively and regularly and with authority in the gifts of the Spirit. That doesn't mean God doesn't use people who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but if you want to move in the gifts of the Spirit powerfully and with authority and regularly, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because that's part of what God's got for you, to fill you with the Spirit, to strengthen you, to release you in the things of the Spirit. It's like the doorway into effective ministry. Good, we got prophecy down? Wave if you understand it. Nah, we'll start again. Nah, we won't. Various tongues, that's the second one. Now, this one can be a little bit complex. Sometimes it can confuse people. We don't often talk about it that much. But you've got to understand when the Bible is talking about the gift of tongues, there's two classifications that it's talking about. Okay? Two. Number one is the personal, devotional, um, and powerful gift of tongues that most people receive when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. In fact, my personal belief is if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, whether you choose to or not, you can speak in tongues. You've got to step out by faith. That's the first classification. Acts chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 14. We often call it our personal prayer language, but it's a powerful tool where our spirit literally connects with the Spirit of God. We don't understand what we're praying, but he does. We know we're praying in the perfect will of God. Paul said, boy, I pray in tongues more than any of you. It's so powerful. And it's a tool that you just, I think it's one of those tools that you must have in your toolbox. It's like you're kind of walking around spiritually with an arm tied behind your back. If if you haven't got the, the ability to pray in tongues, and if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I really am praying that um, you know you you are released in the gift of tongues or with the gift of tongues. Now, when, you, when you're praying in your own personal um, prayer language, there's no re- requirement for interpretation. It really doesn't matter. It's just between you and God. It's your spirit communicating with God's spirit. It doesn't matter. You know that you're praying the perfect will of God and that you're connected with him. It edifies us. It builds us up. It's about me. It, it builds me up. When I'm praying in, in the Spirit, praying in, um, in tongues, it builds me up. And no one needs to interpret that. That's fine. But the second classification in the Scriptures of the gift of tongues is in 1 Corinthians 12.10, this passage we've just read. And this is when the believer brings a message to a meeting or to a group of people, or it could be an individual, but generally to a group of people in an unknown tongue. It could be 
a real you know, known language, but people don't know it, or it could be something totally new, but they bring a message in unknown tongue. Well, we hear that from time to time in our meetings. We don't hear it all the time, but time to time is great. Um, so, so, but the thing is that no one understands it. So you go, obviously, it's of great value. Otherwise, God wouldn't have put it in the spiritual gift toolbox. So we don't want to devalue it in any way. We just want to understand what it's about. When someone speaks in tongues, you can, um, or brings a message in tongues, it carries an authority which will literally change the atmosphere in a room. Powerful. Powerful. But in that environment, the scripture is very clear, it must be interpreted. So that's taking it from a language that is not known and bringing it into a language that is known by the people in the room. Because otherwise it makes no sense. It's just like, what was the point of that? It says it's translated into the language of the people in the room that it's communicated to us and we really get it. Now the beauty of it is we are all part of a body. So God will give someone the gift to, to bring the message in tongues and I've, had the, I've done it a few times and it, it's just a step of faith, really. You go, oh, flip, do I have to do this? You know how it is, you wrestle. Okay, boom. And then that's it. You're waiting for someone else. And they may have seen a picture. As you spoke, they might have understood you word for word. Or it might have just been like a transcript in front of them as you spoke. That person then needs to step out in faith because the whole congregation is waiting to hear what God's saying. And the body works together for a powerful revelation of what God is saying and instructing and encouraging his church with. It's an amazing thing. But in the public context, that classification, it must be trans-interpreted. must be interpreted. Otherwise, it's not doing anybody good. And these gifts are about the common good. They're always about the common good. They're always about lifting and strengthening the church. So wherever a message of tongues is brought publicly, the gift of interpretation needs to be exercised. Scripture is quite clear that that's generally another person. But if no one steps forward, the person could interpret their own. But hey, you're robbing someone else of a blessing, aren't you? It takes a bit of guts, doesn't it? Step out by faith. It's kind of like stepping off the cliff and hoping there's some ground under you. But that's what faith's about. I love it. God's at work in his church. It's going to be, it's about the common good, as we said. But it's also an expression of kingdom and God's power and signs, king, uh, signs of the kingdom that can just get hold of someone's spirit. Oh my goodness. Did you feel that as that was happening? You could feel, you could feel God in the room. Powerful. So most of us are familiar with prophecy. And I think that could be because in Corinthians and several places, Paul says, um, especially, you know, desire, especially the ability of prophesy, prophecy. Be eager to prophesy. And it doesn't so much say those about the other thing. It still says um, to, to be expectant and eager for all of the gifts, but prophecy because it's easily understood. Interesting. So, let me ask you a couple of questions. Why have the gifts been given? I've answered the question. I hope you've got that. I hope you've got it. Yep, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. So we can help each other. 1 Corinthians 14, special abilities the Spirit gives. Seek those that will strengthen the whole church. About the common good. It's not about you putting on a show or anything else. It's about the common good of God's church. Who are the, who are the um, gifts given to? 
There's another way you could say that, which is probably quite powerful. Say it on three. One, two, three. Everyone. No, no, I should have told you, eh? <laughs> Me. One, two, three. Me. Me. Who are the gifts given to? Me. <laughs> it's not helpful. Who are the gifts given to? They're given to me. They're given to you. I think this is really good. Just to, If nothing else, it's good for that to settle because it's always looking like, okay, them. Oh, they could do that. They've got faith. They could step into that. But no, the scripture is so clear that they are given to you. To you. That's really empowering. So which ones do you operate in? Because it's not if, or which. Sorry, it's not if, it's which. Hey. How do you receive spiritual gifts? Well, I already said baptism, the Holy Spirit opens the door. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's like kind of living half-charged. You want to live fully charged. Full of the Spirit, full of the Spirit's power, ready to operate on any occasion. I tell you what, you think this one's a tough message? Pastor Steve, he's got to preach on raising the dead in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. So I reckon you should all bring dead people. It'll be awesome, it'll be unforgettable. You're welcome, Steve. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Two, right. Walk right with God. Walk right. Do your best to walk right with God. You are going to blow it, okay? Can we just get that sorted right up the front? You're going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But do your best to walk right with God and keep a short account. When you make a mistake, repent. In other words, I'm sorry, Lord. Turn and walk another way. Just keep your account with God short and walk closely with Him. Walk with expectancy. Because he's already said he's given you gifts. Therefore, he wants you to use them. Just go down the same line of thought. He wants you to use the gifts that he's given. Should I use this? Is this an opportunity for me to step out? The answer is yes. If you get it totally wrong and make a mess of it, don't worry about it. It happens. We've all done it. Well, I've done it plenty of times. And you just got to go again. That's all right. You'll get it wrong. No one's perfect. And then the Here's the deal. You've got to step out by faith. You can be really expectant. You can receive the gift. But unless you step out by faith and use it, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Prophecy doesn't just come out of your mouth. The prophet, the one speaking, is always in control of what's been said. It doesn't just happen. You've got to step by faith into it. You've got to action the gift by faith. And that's a challenge for all of us because, you know, you peel back the layers and we're all a bit scared of doing that. But by faith, you need to do it. You need to step out. That's why a lot of people who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit don't actually pray in tongues. At the end of the day, it's because you've got to step out by faith into this realm of making crazy sounds at the start that freak you out. And it's a step of faith. It just bamboozles the mind. But the Spirit grasps it. It's so powerful in the spirit. So who's he given the gifts to? You. So that you can use them. So that you can step into them. Imagine if all of us operated in a spiritual gift this week. 
Which brings me to really to the end, which is how do you treat the spiritual gift? Can you put my plate back up on the, the thing? Thanks. How do you, or what are you going to do with spiritual gifts? Are you just going to leave them in the cupboard? Leave them in the drawer? Maybe bring them out occasionally? Or do you want to use them as they were intended, wherever, whenever, as signposts of the kingdom? It's challenging, eh? I love it when I'm not the only one that's challenged. I can see your faces, you see? It's quite good. I'm going, oh Lord, I can lift my, I can lift my game here a bit. I, can. I endeavour to try and make using gifts as natural as I possibly can. If I just think, I think God's wanting to say this, I'll try and step into that. If I'm leading a meeting and I really think God wants to go a certain way, I'll just go that way. I'll ask the questions later. Just go with it. If I believe God wants me to pray for you for healing, I'll ask you, no, I'll just go with it and work it out later. Because if you think about it, it's like when you, um, I got a gift um, quite a few years ago now, I got the gift of bungee jumping. My brother gave it to me for my birthday. Nice guy, eh? Nice guy. And, um, and I said to Jan, she said, she was going to take some photos. And I said, you've got to be super quick with those photos because I'm not stopping. When I get to the end, I'm just going. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going. And I think it's the same when you're operating in spiritual gifts. When God places it on your heart, when he, you burn, your heart's pumping and thumping, you think, oh, I've got to do this. Just go because if you think about it, you'll chicken out. What do you say? Delayed obedience is disobedience. Ooh, that, that's a nasty way of saying it. <laughs> Far rather just say you're chicken out. When God's stirring you, just, just go. You'll love it. You know, when I leapt off the bungee thing, it was terrifying, to be fair. But what a blast. When you look back, I did that. I threw myself off a bridge for no reason. <laughs> that's so cool. I did that, and I got the thrill, and I got the buzz, and I got the photos and every other thing. It's better than saying, man, I got to the edge, I thought about it, and I chickened out. That's not a very good story. That's embarrassing. I want to pray for you tonight for increased desire in the gifts, because I think it's a revelation thing. An increased desire to work, to operate in the gifts of the Spirit or the spiritual things, the, the spirituals as the Bible says. And I want to pray for release of gifts too. If you would like, if you would like to allow God to flow through you in spiritual gifts in a greater dimension than you're standing, than you're seeing right now, why don't you stand up right where you are right now? Because I'm going to pray for a release. I'm going to pray for a hunger. I'm going to pray that we just get really thirsty for the kingdom stuff. I've done some pretty exciting things in life. But I tell you what, when I step out in prophecy or I lay hands and see someone healed or where I, I have a word of knowledge and, and I get it right, I don't always get it right, but when I get it right, it's like that's the biggest buzz ever. It's like, wow. It's incredible. So, Father, you see every person's heart tonight. You see our response. You know what's going on in our heads. You've you got the whole deal. I ask that you would stir our hunger for spiritual things. 
I ask that you would stir our hunger for the things of the kingdom. In Jesus' name. And Father, I ask that there would be a release of your gifts in this place for your people. We get it, Lord, you said for every person. Each, no one excluded. And I pray that as you stir our hearts, there would be a release from heaven of your gifts. There'd be a stirring of the operation of your gifts. There'd be a powerful manifestation of your spirit in your church and outside of your church, that your kingdom would be seen to come in power in Jesus' name. And we would see you do some uh, remarkable things, including through us. So stir our hearts. Oh, Lord, I pray, I believe this by faith, that when some of you close your eyes tonight and go to sleep, you're actually going to start to dream of what it feels like when God's working through you in the Spirit. And I really encourage you just to stay in that place and just build those imaginations, build those dreams, because courage is going to come as you build those. And you'll see God start to do it. He'll start to prompt you. You would have already been there in the Spirit. What would it be like if I prophesied? You would have already been there. What would it be like if I prayed for them for healing? You would have already been there. What would it be like if I released that miracle? You would have already been there. You would have already seen it. Just the next natural response is to do it in the physical. I release it by faith tonight in Jesus' name. Lord, fill your church. Touch your church. Encourage your church. Empower your church. Maybe more than anything else, release courage in your church to be the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name.